rest big lords. This is not an easy topic, the topic of money, and I pray that you will speak through me. Let us dethrone mammon and put you, Lord Jesus, on the throne. I pray in your name. Amen. So we're finally here, the most exciting Sunday of the year, the annual finance update. Yay. yay! Thank you, Dad. I was anticipating no one would say yay, and I'd say, "Well, come on, let's have a bit more enthusiasm." But um, yeah, no, seriously, it's it's not that exciting. But it is it is exciting because every part of Scripture is exciting and interesting, isn't it? And good for teaching. And we need to be transparent as a church. Um, like I said earlier, I'm going to be honest. The Salvation Army system is a bit odd we are propped up with this this kind of mission support type thing and it's there are frustrations with that that i deal with on a daily basis that that you many maybe don't know much about um but i'm really pleased that god has blessed us in recent years that giving has increased and that the mission support we've needed has has decreased even though there's perhaps a little little way to go i'm also conscious that this is a difficult topic isn't it let's be honest this money is something you don't talk about at a dinner party (laughs) if you want to ruin a good dinner party you talk about religion talk about politics you talk about money well we're going to do two of those things today we're talking about faith and we're talking about money but i'm not going to not ruin our time here but it's difficult because there is disparity in our society isn't it even within this room there will be disparity some have money and surplus money and others will not have very much at all being honest jenny and i own a house that means we're probably in the top one percent of wealth in the world i know there are others who are here who have very very little and that makes it difficult sometimes to talk about money doesn't it and in this western world Money is often a God, isn't it? And the challenge for us as Christians, like I pray, is how do we dethrone money in our lives and make sure Jesus is on the throne? How do we make sure that we have a good attitude to money? I'm thinking about this. What is your attitude to money? If you think in your own hearts, what is it? Maybe you have a lot of it, but you know, it's, you're not bound by it perhaps it's possible to not have very much but still kind of aim your life at having lots and lots of money and still be kind of ensnared by it enslaved by it i want to unpack some of this today and think about this from the scripture passage we read which i'm going to just give a little bit of context for it's always important to give context when we read scripture where does it come so paul is writing to the corinthians is this in the new testament or the old testament it's in the New Testament. Good. That's great. I know quite basic, but it's good just to, for those maybe who, who haven't been reading the Bible for very long to understand. And Paul is writing to these Corinthians. Where is Corinth? Do you know? In the world? In Greece. Yes, that's right. And the context is that the, the, the Corinthians have promised a bountiful gift, a financial gift for the Christians not in Greece, but in Jerusalem, and Paul has heard about this, and he's been boasting to the Macedonians. And this is just a little map. Uh, Macedonia is just north of Greece. 
You can go, obviously, to these places. This is Corinth, and he references also Achaia, which is kind of the, the area of Greece where Corinth falls in as well. But Paul is a bit worried. He's heard about this brilliant promise that the Corinthians are going to give money. But he says in verse 3, he says, I am sending the brothers in order that your boasting may not prove to be empty in this case, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. So you promised this money, but I'm a bit, I'm not sure, I don't know if he knows the people in Corinth, they're a bit shifty, or maybe they were a bit enthusiastic. He's saying, look, you promised this, I'm going to send these guys ahead of me, just to make sure you're going to do it. Otherwise, in verse 4, if some Macedonians come with me, they're going to come later on and find that you're not ready to give this money. We'll be put to shame to say nothing of you in this undertaking. Basically, guys, don't let me down. You've promised this money. It's going to be super embarrassing if I kind of come along and you're not really ready to give what you've promised. It's just a basic thing of saying, stick to what you've said. So he's sending these brothers also to make sure that it's not grudgingly given. Maybe the Corinthians will give the money, but they'll give it. Oh, do we have to? We have to do this. But as Paul says, God loves a joyful giver. What else? Just for context, very briefly, Paul also says that the, the zeal of the Corinthians has stirred up the Macedonians. This promise, the Macedonians have heard about this and they, they responded by being encouraged by being you know, stirred up by this, just as a very side point, never underestimate how much your zeal can encourage others. I don't know about you, when I look around and I see people worshipping God and they're giving their all to it, it encourages me. And the Macedonians were encouraged by that as well. And now Paul is appealing to the Corinthians. He said, you've stirred them up. Let it be your turn to be stirred up by, by their zeal as well. So just a bit of context to kind of what's going on. I hope that makes sense. The next bit of the letter from kind of verse 6, verse 7 onwards talks about the blessings of giving financially. And I want to focus on these to think about how this relates to us today in 21st century Liverpool to those here or maybe if you're listening back to this if you weren't able to make it on the recording and I think there are four things that we can briefly get as time is marching on from this passage usually I do three don't I now I'm doing four today there we go <laughs> firstly God loves a cheerful giver verse seven says, each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Brothers and sisters, we are free in Christ, aren't we? We are free. We are no longer slaves. We are no longer slaves. But Christian freedom is quite different to the idea that Western freedom gives us, isn't it? Think of the word freedom. What does it mean? Kind of maybe you think of the shackles being broken or something like that. But in our society's understanding of freedom, it kind of is like, do whatever you feel like. Do whatever you feel like. If I've got an impulse or a desire, any, you know, I'm stopped being free if there's something that stops me just doing what I feel like doing. Whether it benefits me or not, whether it benefits others, I should just be able to do what I want. But that is not Christian freedom. Christian freedom, according to Paul, 
In Galatians, he says this, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Christian freedom is not freedom from constraints and things that are holding us back so much as it is it's freedom for love. It's freedom. We're free to love each other. And it's the same with finances. Paul says you are under no compulsion here. I'm not going to hold a gun to your head or a sword. Perhaps they didn't have guns back then, did they? But if you know God, if you found freedom in Christ, then it will manifest itself in this desire to give. That's what is natural if you are free in Christ. And it will be a joy if your response to this is to say, well, you know, we're free, so, but I'm, I'm not going to give. I question that. Paul's saying, if you've met God, you will want to give of your money. And money is part of life, isn't it? You need it to get by every single day to buy things. Otherwise, you don't have food. You know, it's, it's part, of, part of life. And as a result of this, giving is also an individual decision. It's up to each of us. What does he say? You must give out of your own mind. You often hear this figure, don't you, of 10%. Has anyone heard this figure of 10%? Do you know where that comes from? Tithe. Yeah, Malachi. Exactly. Thank you, Claudia. Do you know this? I've said this in the past, but it's actually not in the New Testament. It's an Old Testament thing. And of course, Old Testament is scripture and it's binding on us. But as New Testament people, the people of the New Covenant, we need to discern what are the things that kind of still apply and what are the things that don't apply. So the food laws, for instance, of the Old Testament don't apply to us today. And other things, and and as you read through the New Testament, this figure of 10% doesn't actually come up. And, yeah, I suppose it doesn't have to be 10%. This is the point that kind of Paul is saying. Have you ever heard of keeping up with the Joneses? Do you know about this? You know, if you live on a street and the kind of proverbial family next door to you, um, you know, they get an extension on their house, so you've got to go and get an extension. Or they get a new car, and you've got to get a new car. It's called keeping up with the Joneses. If you're not, you know, from British culture, perhaps, or American culture, that's what it's called. And there can be the same type of thing with, with giving in churches. Well, this person's giving this amount, so I need to give the same amount. And that's not true. What Paul kind of says, you know, is give, make it up in your own mind. And it, it you know, we give what uh, we, we have. If you have surplus income for a season, perhaps it is more, 15, 20%. If you're struggling, perhaps it's less for a season. I heard of uh, something on the radio recently. There was a secular charity that was trying to set up this thing saying um, they were trying to get people in the UK to give 1% of their income to charity, 1%. And they did this thing on, on the radio and they went around the town and they said, you know, would you, would you give 1% of your income to charity? And some people were like, oh, maybe, you know. And others were like, oh, no, that sounds like quite a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> and I kind of thought, gosh, wow, that's interesting. Christians have been doing this for centuries. Whether it's 10%, whether it's 15 Giving should be part of who we are. And it's quite a countercultural thing. I just thought, listening to this radio thing, the idea of giving 1% of your income was quite a radical thing for a lot of people. But that's what 
that's what we've been doing for a long time. We do it out of joy. So the first thing is God loves a cheerful giver. Secondly, giving requires resolve. It is something that we do deliberately. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind. The Greek verb here used for giving up your mind, it says to choose deliberately. Not just out of... um, not thinking about it. Has anyone ever watched a, a telethon on, uh, yeah, on TV? Uh, like, you know, Children in Need or something like that. You've watched those. These days, you can more or less just give on your phone, can't you? But back in the day, if you watched one of these telethons, you'd have to call up um, and you would pledge. I pledge to give this charity £50 or $50 or something like that. But you couldn't give immediately because it was before the internet. So someone would have to get back in touch with you and arrange for you to send a cheque or the money or something like that. And often what would happen, you know, you have the celebrities here and, and you would get enthusiastic, oh, I'd better give. But then the next day you'd wake up and think, oh, that was a bit much. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have offered that much. Maybe I'll give $25 rather than $50 or something. And maybe it can be the same in our Christian life. After this amazing talk today, you're going to think, oh, I've got to go and improve my standing order to the church. You know, Paul says, think about it. As you've made up your mind, think deliberately. Don't be just caught up in a moment. Don't give. I'm here, the church minister today, the officer saying, do not give more than you can afford if it's going to make you go into debt. Unless God very specifically tells you to do that. Take time to think about it. Is this something I can live up to? Like the Corinthians promised, they made this promise to give this money, this bountiful gift. And Paul's saying, are you going to live up to this? It's not something impulsive. Take time to think about it. Number three, giving should be private and not public. Each of you, we're focusing on verse 7 here, each of you must give as you have made up your mind. Another translation of this is, give what you've decided to give in your heart. There's a sadness, isn't there, that for some people, they give because they want some form of public acclaim. Perhaps a a millionaire gives uh, some money to a new building and wants it named after themselves or a to a football club and they name a football stand or a stadium even after themselves because they want them people to know that they've been the ones who've given this that's not what paul is saying here when i was 18 i i spent some time i went in my gap year i went over to to ghana and i had an amazing time and like the faith of the people there was just remarkable it was incredible and i'm still in touch with a lot of the people who who were there this church was just brilliant but they did one practice that i just really wasn't sure about during the time of giving they they kind of had the plate at the front and they said right if you want to give 10 cities now is your time to come up and people kind of walked up and they gave their 10 cities. Now, if you want to give 20 cities, it's your time to come up. If you want to give 50 cities, it's your time to come up. And I, I just sat there and I thought, I'm not sure about this. You know, like I said, I, I love these brothers and sisters. I'm still in touch with many of them. And they were so faithful in, in every aspect, more or less. But, you know, this I just thought was, it's not, that's not great. Give up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. It should be something that is is private. Like, of course, 
Um, the finance team in the church does see, I have access, of course, to see what people give, just being open and honest about that. When you give a standing order, when I review it, of course I see, but I do not share that beyond myself and Joan as the finance team. And when we give, uh, you know, you, most people give online since the pandemic. Some people still give in the Salvation Army. You can have a little envelope to give if you give a check or something like that. And uh, we haven't done plate giving recently. The plate is still there on the side. We might revive it in the past. We've had some suggestions maybe of having a, a closed box at the back. But I think making sure that that's private is a, is a good thing. So that's the third point. Number four. There are various recipients to giving, Paul says, within this thing, within this uh, letter, this chapter. The first recipient, when you give, you are blessed, Paul says. In verse 8, he said, God is able to provide you, the Corinthians, with every blessing in abundance. You will be blessed when you give. What form does this blessing take? Well, in the past, we've talked about the the kind of nervousness about this idea of prosperity gospel, haven't we? Give £10 today to your church and you will get £20 put under your door next week. (laughs) No, I'm not saying that at all. But Paul does seem to say, look, I'm not a fan of the prosperity gospel, but we need to be faithful to what scripture says, not just what I think. And Paul does seem to say here that the Corinthians will get some form of material blessing. He goes on to say in verse 8, you will always have enough of everything. In verse 11, you will be enriched in every way. There is some truth to this sense that if we're faithful in what we give, God will provide for us somehow. I'm not saying if you give £10 today, you'll go and get £20 back later on. But we believe in Jehovah Jireh, don't we? The God who gives and provides for us. Some of this is is just a natural thing, being part of a church community. When you're part of a church community, when you give and when you're in need, we want to respond. If you're in need today, if you don't have enough of something, we, you know, share that. And we will, you know, we're, we're a family. It says in Acts 2 that they gave to those who were in need. That is just the nature of being part of a church. But moving Beyond that, perhaps, of course, material blessing is only one aspect of God's blessing, isn't it? Paul says you will be enriched in every way in verse 11. The primary enrichment that God gives us is his blessing, is his presence with us. His presence with us and also the fact that he gives us people to journey with. Uh, Look around you today. Look around you right now. Look around you. We are blessed with each other, are we not? There are some of our family that are away today who can't be here, but we are blessed. That is what God's blessing is, as well as material blessing. And beyond this, what does Paul say against prosperity gospel type thinking? He says, so that you may have enough of everything, so that you may share abundantly in every good work. The problem, the point of God's material provision for us is not to get us private jets and swimming pools, but so that we can abound in every good work. Paul doesn't say 
if you have surplus income at the end of every month, if you're saving thousands and thousands of pounds, you are blessed. He doesn't say that, but he says so that you can promote good. Christian freedom, again, is not freedom from things that constrain us primarily, but it is freedom for others. John Bunyan once said this. I love this. I was researching for this this week. He said, a man there was, they called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. (laughs) I love that idea, don't you? We are blessed. And Paul's version of this, of course, in, in this Uh, thing he quotes from the Old Testament, he who scatters abroad, he who gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. We are blessed when we give, brothers and sisters, like that video earlier on, that giraffe who just gave and gave and gave. We should be known as a people who are generous and generous. You know, I once knew someone who was one of the most generous people I'd ever met. And when we were at university, you know, we kind of used to go to go out, you know, for something you know, go for a drink or something like that. And we would have a challenge to see if we could buy this person a drink. And we could never do it because he would always insist that I'm the one who gives. It's like that. we should be known as radical givers, I suppose, shouldn't we? So that's the first thing. We are blessed when we give. The secondly, the recipients are blessed. In verse 12, Paul says... For rendering this ministry to supply the needs of the saints. These are the Jerusalem Christians who are blessed. And there's a really interesting side point here, perhaps, that, um, you know, often in the early church, when Paul is writing, you have this division, don't you, between the the, the Jewish Christians often, who sometimes think that uh, we should stick to the law, and the Gentile Christians who kind of think, well, we're free from the law. And there's this real tension in the early church in Paul's letters. Are the Corinthians mostly Gentiles, do you think, or Jewish? They're mostly Gentiles. Do you think the Jerusalem Christians are mostly Jewish or Gentiles? They're Jewish. So here, you're having Paul saying these mostly Gentile Christians are giving to the Jewish Christians. Kind of the equivalent, maybe, of a, a kind of quite a liberal church giving to quite a conservative church, perhaps. In the context of, or vice versa, a conservative church giving. I'm not, you know, wanting to go into that in detail, but I read that this week. It was quite an interesting point. This was a really big issue in the early church. So, yeah, so Paul says the needs of the saints. He doesn't say exactly what these are, but we know that the Jerusalem Christians were in need. They had some form of lack. It's redressing the balance. The Corinthians are capable of giving this. The Corinthians, they they have this money that they have, that they're able to give a bountiful gift, it says in verse 5. They have money to be able to give. And Paul is saying the Jerusalem Christians are lacking so to give. And this leads me on to another important point. This isn't necessarily about giving to your church. Okay? I could stand here today and say, look, All of you need to give more money to Stony Cross Salvation Army. But I'm not necessarily sure that's what this passage completely says. The Corinthians are giving to the Jewish, uh, you know, Jerusalem Christians hundreds of miles away. Now, of course, there is the command in Malachi, as um, Claudia mentioned earlier, Malachi 3.10, bring in your whole tithe to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me, says the Lord Almighty, and I will open the floodgates of heaven. Yes, look, of course, if this is your main church, 
Set up a direct debit, a standing order. Give to support the work of the church here. But it's not just about that. Does this mean that we can give abroad, perhaps? Yes, possibly. There is scripture for supporting those in ministry. That means me. Yes, we're supporting... Hi, Emma, you all right? Yeah, that's fine. Toilet stop, that's fine. Yes, I am the paid minister of this church, so some of your giving, of course, goes to support me. Going to be honest about that, that's the reality. But, and it goes to keeping the energy and keeping the building uh, all right. But you don't have to give all of your giving to this church. For Jenny and I, we do stick to the 10% figure for this moment. That's roughly about right for our giving. We give about 9% of our income to this church, but we give about 1% of our income to a Salvation Army church in Bangladesh where we have friends who are uh, working out there and another little bit to a missionary couple out in, uh, in Africa. So, and again, it's about you deciding in your heart. Okay. Third, and I'm going to rush through because time is really marching on and the meeting is, is going on. But God is hopefully blessing us today, I hope. <laughs> Thirdly, God is blessed. In verse 11 and 12, it says, You'll be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us for the rendering of ministry. God is blessed by this. It's not the Corinthians who receive blessing because of this. It's not, well, it's not the Corinthians who receive praise because of this, but God. The Corinthians are giving to the, the Macedonian, uh, to the um, Jerusalem Christians, and the Macedonians are praising God because of it. So God is blessed. When we give, when you set up a standing order here, God is blessed because of that. Finally, the Corinthians themselves are blessed. Verse 14, it says that the Jerusalem Christians will long for you and pray for you. They will long for you. There will be a closer relationship between the Jerusalem Christians and the Corinthian Christians. They will be bonded together in the task of the gospel. When you give, whether it's to this church, we looked around earlier, didn't we? You are bonded together to this body, part of the body of Christ. You are bonded together because we are giving to support God's work at Stony Cross Salvation Army. If you choose to give some of your money to overseas mission or whatever it is, you are bonded to those people. We get updates occasionally from the church in Bangladesh that we give some of our money to. And they share with us what they're, what they're doing. So, the Corinthians are blessed too. Summary of what I've been saying today. There are four points. God loves a cheerful giver. When we're setting up the standing order, don't do it grudgingly. <laughs> if it takes time, then let it take time. Don't rush it. Secondly, this requires resolve. Take time to think about it. It's a private giving. Don't. Jesus says something about that, doesn't he? Don't, when you, when you pray out loud, don't pray for your own praise. Peter talked about this recently. I was away, but I listened to his thing about hospitality. How do we measure doing something in private, but also doing it? But I think in financial giving, it isn't something that we kind of, you know, go onto Facebook afterwards. I just gave X amount of money. I'm not sure anyone would do that, but you know the point. God blesses us when we do things in private because we do it for the audience of one, for God. And finally... 
Lots of people are blessed when you give. Lots of people are blessed. You are blessed. God is blessed. The recipients are blessed. So many people are blessed. So, if this is your church, to summarise, if you take away one thing from this, I would encourage you to set up a standing order to support the work of this church. If you have surplus money at the end of each month, think about increasing that from 10%, maybe to 15 or something. If you are struggling at the moment for this time, maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 2%, maybe if you have very little, even if you put in 50p a week, you know, there's a story Jesus tells about this, isn't there? <laughs> we must remember that. The, the widow's mite, two little coins, and she says, this is more than anything else. It's not about how much you give, but it's about your heart. Everything flows from your heart. You maybe change that later on in a different season. We all go through different seasons in life. where We have more or we have less. But it's about the heart that we give with. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be, Jesus says. And finally, all the giving doesn't have to be here. Look, I want this church to keep growing. I want this church to, to get to kind of level with with the mission support we've got so that we can have more money to, to provide more for, for what God is wanting to do here. But that's not what Paul says. Some of your giving can be, maybe should be, abroad to support the work of the church around the world. Sorry. Right. That is me come to